Just One Adult Please is the Single Ticket Podcast. So, welcome to episode five of Single Tickets. I'm Anna. And I'm Alan. And we're a married couple who love going to see films. We just don't make it to the cinema much together. No, we certainly don't. Uh, and I don't think that's going to change in 2020. I don't think so, no. No. <laughs> 2020 vision does not include um, joint cinema trips. <laughs> Although we did get a, a, um, a voucher, didn't we, for Christmas? Um, we, we did. With, with this strict... Um, instruction that we have to go together. Yes. <laughs> Which kind of defeats the object of this podcast, so I'm um, I'm going to complain. Well, I, I just don't think we'll podcast that one particularly. No. We'll we'll we'll, we'll choose a film that we're not, but you know that we're uh, we want to see, but yeah. We just we just won't put it on the show. That's all. Yeah, fair enough. How have you been? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Yeah, not bad. You've had a little trip this weekend. Yeah, I went to Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah, it's great. Solo trip to Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, in keeping with uh, with the theme. <laughs> but no, it, it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Good. Um, yeah, just kind of a couple of nights away, just, you know, see the new year in um, as I mean to go on. Yeah, sounds good. Mm. Obviously, I, I was in sole charge of, uh, of the little one. And uh, we both managed to survive, which was really good. I know, I yeah. know. Man- oh, yeah. But, you know, I managed to be... Uh, Keep her clean and fed and everything. Yeah. Or you sworn to secrecy with something. You've got something <laughs> over her and uh, she won't tell me what's happened. But no, no, it was really good. I went to a slightly uh, different cinema for my film this time. Yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah. I did. So it's a new cinema for this podcast, um, but it's certainly not a new cinema to either of us, is not, it? No, not, not at all. No, so I went to... Uh, what they're now referring to as the Pictureville in Bradford at the uh, National Media Museum. Newly independent, taken back from the running of by Picture House yes. as a as a brand. Um, I don't think it'd been particularly successful as a as a partnership. So now they're 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 back to going alone. Um, Which is what they were for a few years, wasn't it? Well, well, quite a long time before then. It was it was owned and run by the National Media Museum, as it was. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the change to it being run by Picture Houses was quite a, a surprise a few years back. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it was particularly popular with the current, with the audiences, was it? No, it wasn't, no. I think part of the attraction of the cinema there is that kind of uniqueness and the fact it was part of that um, museum and part of the Media Museum as, as was and... Yeah, that was all part of the kind of um, the ethos of the place was that independent cinema um, provision. Yeah, and you you were probably going to mention this. Um, no, the, the, the film education aspect of it as well used to be in place um, as part of that remit. Um, it used to provide uh, courses and um, film education. had a, had a strong film education department um, and did some wonderful wonderful work, which did not continue under the rebranding that happened with Picture Houses. No, I mean, obviously that's... When you're using a brand like Picture Houses to 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 run that provision, you're, you're relying on them for their, I suppose, their buying power and their um, know-how in programming, aren't you? Because programming at those... Well, at any venue is... Is is tricky, isn't it? It is choosing it the is. right films. Absolutely. So, um, uh, yeah, back in the day, 
Um, I actually did some work with um, the cinema, as it was, at the National Media Museum. Yeah. Um, and worked with the head of programming there for a little bit and kind of got a bit of work experience and that kind of thing under his um, supervision. And that was a fantastic experience and real eye-opener as well to kind of understand what they, they did as, a, as an organisation in terms of film programming and what that involved. Um, it, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And obviously that was because of the nature of the place and the way it was run. I was able to literally just ring up or talk to someone and say, can I come and speak to someone, you know, yeah. can you help me? And they did. Yeah. Um, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing um, to to have kind of been in place. Programming films isn't an easy task, is it? And it's it's really, it was from your kind of descriptions of what you heard, it was interesting to see some of the compromises that they had to make to program certain films. Yes. It was kind of, they had to program certain things to allow them to program something that was a little bit more alternative. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, you, you, you hear that from other people in the industry who run independent cinemas, that that is, the, you, you're always compromising and you're always trying to um, kind of cut through the red tape and the hoops you have to jump through. Uh, we know for our, for, um, from our own experience of programming for our own community cinema that we tried to set up uh, a few years back. Um, we should talk hard. about that. We should talk about that next time. Oh, we should actually. Yeah, that'd yeah, be we'll a really talk good about idea. that next time. Yeah, preview for, yeah. preview for uh, episode six. Yeah, so we, we know firsthand, and me particularly, what it's like to try and program cinema and get hold of films Um, and yeah it's uh, yes obviously there's benefits from having a a bigger brand being involved with your cinema provision but as you said at at the kind of top of this conversation it didn't work for them no obviously not and and yeah they're they're, um, ploughing an independent furrow now so hopefully that'll that'll, uh, work out for them Um, but yeah so this week we've both seen films that are slightly uh, independent or slightly different in their yeah. tone, yeah. Um, but they're still, in theory, had uh, were targeting a mainstream audience. Absolutely, yeah. I would definitely class both of these films as reaching the mainstream, the fringes of the mainstream in mm. some cases, perhaps. Mm. Although I have to say, I think yours might have done that slightly more, um, slightly better than mine has. Yes. Just in <laughs> just in terms of the number of people who were at the screenings we both went to. Yeah, definitely. But let's stop stalling and let's talk about some films. Okay. Okay, so I went to Picturville um, and saw the slightly controversial uh, Jojo Rabbit. (laughs) Yes. So this was, um, it was a closing film at the Leeds International Film Festival. Yes. Um, Although um, I didn't get to see it at that point. And Um, I had no wish to see it. You had no wish to see it. So it was uh, it was befallen on me to go see it, and actually I was intrigued by it just because of the some of the feedback. I mean, your brother went to see it, didn't he? Yeah, so yeah, my and brother went to see it the festival. He loved it. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, yeah, my feedback's a little bit different to that, but um, but yeah, we'll get into it. Um, so Jojo Rabbit is uh, directed by and features Taikai Waititi. Uh, is a Kiwi um, as the imaginary friend of a little boy. Um, the trouble is, the imaginary friend is Hitler, and Jojo is a member of the Hitler Youth. <laughs> so um, interesting. Um, yeah. So as we said, there are some. There's certainly been some conflicting views of this film. Uh, Bradshaw's classic one-star review. Right. Yeah. Um, not one of his best. No. We do. Lo- we do love a Bradshaw one-star review. We do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, they're always Bradshaw uh, and the Guardian. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, I don't actually fundamentally agree with some of the points he made, actually. 
But yeah, I think the reviews have been very mixed. Yeah. Uh, some people really loved it. Some people um, couldn't stand it. Yeah. It, as a film, it intersperses the comic with the tragic. Okay. Um, almost constantly, and it's all it's it always seems to be seesawing between the two. Right. Um, and I can see why that might jar might jar with people. Okay. Um, so yeah, so just a brief synopsis. Um, so it's set in the last few months of the war, and uh, early on we treat it to some farcical scenes at the Hitler Youth Camp. Um, where there's, we see uh, attempts to train children to fight, which obviously is a a, um, a nonsensical thing to do. Mm. It, it, it's ridiculous. And to be fair, the film does lampoon it quite mercilessly mm. and kind of points out that it is, you know, ridiculous and monstrous in equal measure, really. Yeah. It's at this point that we're introduced to um, Captain K, um, played by Sam Rockwell. Oh, okay. Sam's, Sam Rockwell is really good in this film. All right, okay. Um, um, he has an injury. His, 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 his eye is injured, so it means he's he's excluded from frontline duty. Okay. So he's kind of been demoted to this menial task to, to look after the Hitler youth. I would describe him as slightly unhinged in this piece, <laughs> really, um, but with you know ultimately with a good heart. So there's, there's elements here where it reminds me of three billboards in terms oh, of his... okay. You know, as an authoritative yeah. figure, as a slightly alternative portrayal. Oh goodness! Okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. he's carving out a bit of a, a niche there for me. So yeah, so so Jojo as a character, he seems keen. Um, you know, they describe him as a little Nazi, <laughs> all this kind of thing through it. He seems keen on the surface, but he's actually quite reluctant and he's quite um, scared. Okay. But actually, the, the, there's some cutaway scenes where uh, he imagines uh, conversations with 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 uh, the Führer. And this actually leads to him becoming injured by a misthrown grenade, um, and he ends up uh, ultimately um, not uh, being involved in any frontline duties, and end up basically being a propaganda distributor okay. uh, for the local um, the local Nazi party, right. really. So, so it's a, it's a very tricky subject. Yeah, you're not kidding. And this, yeah, and to try to find something out of this is 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 a challenge, and. As I said, I think this is where the uh, the disagreement or the kind of mm. the, the differing opinions of this has come from. Yeah. So actually, before we, we do see some actual fighting towards the end of the film. Okay. Um, but actually, much of it earlier on is quite domestic in the way in its setting. Yeah. Uh, we learn that actually Jojo's father is absent, potentially dead, potentially up to things, kind of in potentially in the resistance or right. secret things. We also meet his mother, who's played by Scarlett Johansson, who is also working for the Resistance. That's made pretty clear early yeah. on. And this kind of the, the challenge between him as a little Nazi and his kind of, uh, at least on the surface, keenness to be involved hmm. versus obviously what she is getting up to in a clandestine way is quite okay. well played. Right, okay. His mother is such a kind of supporter of, of the resistance effort that she's actually sheltering a Jewish girl in their home. Oh, okay. Okay, so and the actual relationship between um, this girl and Jojo is very um, is a very key part of the film um, and the way that his prejudices of dirty Jews to, to quote the, um, the line that is used, the way that those prejudices are challenged through yeah. the narrative is actually again well handled right, okay. for me. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. To yeah. talk to talk about to use prejudicial language. Yeah. 
to um I can see it's challenging for you to to talk about your experience of it, you know, and you yes. use, use those phrases even in quoting them from the film. Yes, because they are they're not words that are comfortable to, to, for, yeah. for, for for any year, really. Yeah, I think that's why it's so why this film is so challenging in many mm. ways. Just a quick word, actually, about um, one of the other relationships: uh, the portrayal of JoJo's relationship with a young friend Yorkie. Um, so Yorkie, I think JoJo's ten, Yorkie's eleven, right, okay. and they're both part of the Hitler Youth. And actually, you know. Um, I thought they were both great performances. So Archie Yates play Archie Yates plays Yorkie and Roman Griffin Davis plays Jojo. And I actually thought they were both very good in this yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. They were, you know, um, very good performances. Do you want those me. annoying kid performances you get in films? No, no, by 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 no means. They oh, were, but I, I yeah. thought they were they were both really really good. I'm, I have to say, I'm still not really sure what to think about oh, this film. Oh, wow, okay. I came out of it not being clear about. What kind of score would you give it if you had to give it a score out of five? I think some people have fallen in the middle. Yeah. And I understand why they've done that because the the film is difficult to categorise. Yeah. It's obviously trying to be a satire. Yeah, yeah. It's trying to treat a serious topic and show how ridiculous it was mm. um, in terms of the the wider society that was around, that was supporting the kind of the... The political infrastructure of mm. of Germany at the time, yeah, um, and obviously there are echoes with, or there are certainly parallels with with some of the political things that are going on now. Mm. And you can understand why perhaps this film has been made at this time. There's a lot of emotional upheaval in this film. Okay, it's not just comic, right? Okay, there's actually some very dramatic swings from like like gut punches of tragedy to the mm. absurd. Okay, which is really unusual. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? And you felt that slightly in the audience. It wasn't a massive audience for the film, I have to say, but there was a there were some bits that were there were clearly comic moments, mm. but there was a bit of a suppressed reaction because you've, yeah. you know, like five minutes before you've seen something that's very traumatic and very mm. difficult to see. Yeah, um, because that it's trying to convey the the circumstances of Germany at the time. Yeah, you know, it was a um, a place that was. Under great pressure, the kind of the dreams were falling apart. Mm. People's great hopes for what the future would be. You know, we we look back in retrospect about what Nazism was. Mm. You've got to understand that at the time, for a lot of people, they wouldn't have conceived it in that way. Yeah. They would. They saw it as a bright, you know, a bright future for Germany. Yeah. And that you know that it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why it's. This is why I think this film has these different reactions. Yeah, particularly given our current circumstances as well. Yes, exactly. But actually pointing out the ridiculousness Mm. of Hitler as a character and as a icon. Yeah. Actually pointing fun at things is is no bad thing. Mm. Actually seeing the satire and the ridiculousness in things. Yeah. I can't recall a film like this. Okay. It's quite... It's very unusual. Yeah, yeah. It's been compared to things like The Producers... And the Great Dictator, only because it's okay. got a comic portrayal of Hitler in it yes. in those films. Yeah, this is completely different. Yeah, yeah. They're, I think people are uh, casting around looking for things to compare it to. Yeah, it doesn't ha- It doesn't compare with much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is difficult to it really stands alone. Yeah, for me, it gets a cautious recommendation. I think it's worth seeing. Mm. 
because it's a challenge to see. Okay. And cinema should be challenging. It should. It definitely should. Yeah. It should tap into emotions and it should tap into those kind of reactions and and help you to understand yourself and to kind of, um, yeah, have a kind of really visceral feel. Um, you know, sometimes you just want to be entertained and we just want to go mm. see something that's, you know, just easy on the eye. Um, other times, cinema should absolutely um, be used to, to do that. It's definitely making a point. Yeah. Without question. Just as The Great Dictator was trying to make a point. Yeah. It's just handling them in different ways. Yes. And... The may, there are some missteps in this, okay. just in terms of the way that the interspersing of mm. the comic and the tragic. For me, sometimes it just doesn't quite work. But there are some mm. scenes that are really good, like the scene um, where Stephen Merchant is a Gestapo agent, right. and the um, the scene where he's um, conducting an inspection at Giorgio's house. Mm. All the kind of the formalities and the Heil Hitlers and all this kind of stuff. That the yeah. interplay of that works really well. Yeah. Um, and it's comic, yes. But there's a serious element because you know that there's a you know Jewish girl hiding in yeah, the yeah. house, and there are serious connotations if yeah, she's yeah. found, and yeah. all these kind of things. Yeah. But yet, it's the comic nature of the the it's like a comedy of manners mm. elements to it as well. You yeah. know, you've got to hail Hitler each other, and you've got to do this, and it's all process. And yeah, there's there's com- comedy in that. Yeah. We just don't usually see it on screen. No. And that's, I think, is where people's yeah. issues have come from. It's I would say this film is ambitious and it's worth seeing. Yeah. But it's, it's a cautious recommendation. Okay. Okay, so um, the film I went to see recently was uh, Little Women. Yes. Uh, the Greta Gerwig film. Tiny women. Little tiny women. <laughs> stuck them in your pocket. Yeah, so this film, um, for me, is quite a mainstream film to go and see in some ways. It's not my usual kind of film, I have to admit. It was mainstream in terms of how many people were there. Oh, it was absolutely packed out, yeah. 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 Full of women. One one man um, and a load of middle-aged women, <laughs> um, including myself. So um, it had found its audience. It definitely found it its audience. It found its audience, which is, which is part of any film's challenge. Yeah, and I went on a Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. um, to see it, which is always, as I've said before, a great time to see a film. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, yeah absolutely um, really busy, really really um, full of, of people who obviously really enjoyed this film. I'm not sure I was one of them. Okay. Um, Tell us a little bit about it. I mean, we, yeah. I, th- I think most people will know the story. Yes. Yeah, so Little Women uh, is based on the book by uh, Louisa May Alcott from 1868. Um, a very well-known book, a very much loved book about... Uh, well, it's a story about sisterhood, essentially. Yeah. And... You know, people adore that book. Um, mm-hmm. It absolutely defines some people's childhoods into adolescence. And it's been retold um, for the modern age, essentially. So before I went, I was—I think I said to you, I was a little bit concerned it'd be a bit millennial for me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... Um, and also, I went to see the 1994 version, or I saw the 1994 version of Little Women um, by Gillian Armstrong, another female director. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll go into that a little bit and that kind of comparison kind of later on. OK. Um, but essentially, yes, it's a story about um, sisters... Um, four sisters living with their mum. Their dad is off fighting in the war, whatever it is. The, when was it set? It was 1860s. Since so the War of Independence. War of Independence. Yeah, so he's off doing that, and um, it's about their um, kind of experience of that kind of time of growing up, 
of the relationships between them, the relationships kind of outside of the family, what they're going to do with their lives. Um, it's all about that kind of stuff. And the main character um, is uh, Jo. Um, she's the main focus of the story. And her, she's a kind of pioneering, you know, quite a modern girl. Um, she wants to be a writer. Um, yeah, people, you know, often... Um, talk about her as a character from literature and from obviously you know the see them on screen as well you know joe march is someone who's going to do something she's going to be different she's going to forge a different path to the one that should be set out for her and it's about how she does that the difference between her and her sisters and how that those relationships develop over time just to say it's the it's the civil war not the war of independence just 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 sorry i just had to double check that because I don't want to get thousands of emails saying you got that wrong. It was the civil war. Yeah, sorry. I do apologise <laughs> for my lack of um... lack of knowledge of American history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> must must have been away that day. Um, yeah. So yes, this is a modern interpretation of that story okay. um, from Greta Gerwig, who's done Lady Bird and other films. Um, she's a very well respected and well liked filmmaker. Um, you know, with with a lot of justification. I really loved um, Lady Bird um, when I saw it. I didn't think I would. Again, that thing, that prejudice I have about stories for younger women thinking that they're not for me, and yeah. absolutely it wasn't. Although I did see that a little bit more from the mum's perspective, but there you go. <laughs> On paper, it, it should be, you know, a really well-made film, and it is. It's, um, it's, it's a really lovely film. It's, like, warm and cosy, but fresh as well. You know, there were elements brought in that were different, and you, you got the feel of her as a director, right. as a filmmaker, that it was her film. Um, you know, it had a feel that was different and modern and kind of that she's bringing something new to that story okay it's very sumptuous as well it looked lovely like the uh, the use of the landscapes in new england where it's set um it was beautiful you know the colors that were used and the kind of it's just oh you got that real sense of um sense of setting yeah um there's changing the seasons and the years um some of the scenes felt like paintings you know you'd look at them and they, they felt like like you're in a painting. Landscape painting yeah they were beautiful really lovely really made use of that setting and then that the kind of the the, the sense of itself so uh saoirse ronan plays joe joe march as I said, the character so beloved of young women, uh, particularly young and sparky women who want to do something different with their lives. They see her as this, this icon, it's you know. Muscle. Yeah, absolutely. And she's the perfect choice, for, you know, for this film. She's a, she's perfect casting, as were the rest of the cast as well, um, who were chosen. They're just they are the women of now, the actors of now, who you could probably think of inhabiting those characters um, for yeah. this generation. Um, so I mentioned the 1994 film, yeah. so I would have been about the right age, uh, you know, I was in my uh, late teens yeah. at that time. Um, so Julian Armstrong's version had Winona Ryder as Joe March, yeah. um, it had Claire Danes in it, it had Kirsten Dunst, that modern vibe, modern casting, bringing a whole kind of freshness to the story for that generation, which is great, it's, it's wonderful that that's been done again, I really like the fact that that's, okay. that's happened actually. Um, because it really will engage people. Yeah, because we, because we, we, you know, we do complain about remakes and yeah, that kind of thing, don't yeah. we? And yeah, reimaginings and whatever. Yeah, you absolutely. It. Yeah, and it's you know, it's not that long since the last one, but they're doing it all the time. I mean, when I was there, there was a um, a, a trailer for Emma. It's like, how many times are you going to make Emma? Do you know what I mean? So it's not that long ago, but it's twenty five years ago. Nah, <laughs> no, you, no, you're wrong there. 
That's a, it's no, that, sorry, that is, it can't be. That's a generation. I remember that's it. That's literally a generation, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. It is, yeah. But yeah, you know, some films just keep being made again and again. Some yes. stories are always reimagined. They're always, you know, kind of seen. There's a new interpretation of it, a new way to tell it. This isn't... There's no... More likely to get funding as well. Of, of course. It's a, no, it's a, known, it's course. a known entity, exactly. isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I have to say that I never really took to the book. Okay. Um, when I... When I read it, um, I yeah, it wasn't really for me. Didn't really enjoy it that much. In fact, I'm not even sure if I finished it. Okay, <laughs> I can't remember, so maybe I didn't. I don't know. I won't give away the twist in the story if some people haven't seen it about what happens because you know not everyone's read it. Um, it. Can you really can you can you really have a spoiler for a book that's like 150 <laughs> years old? Uh, one of them dies. <laughs> um, in this version, I'm sorry, but I found the sisters really annoying. <laughs> Right. I found it was really twee. I just kind of all there like, oh, let's, let's, you know, Rena, it's all, oh, yeah, I found it really, really twee, actually, okay. and it really quite grating, um, how wonderful they were, and, you know, all this kind of, this wonderful home, and the way the mother, you know, greets and embraces them, and this kind of, it was, yeah, I found that really, really bit, annoying. A bit too chocolate box. A bit too chocolate box, yeah, mm. for me, actually. That kind of changed through the film because those relationships kind of do break up a little bit and there's a bit more sparkiness in it. But I just found that really kind of... You could see everyone else in the film was like, oh, it's great. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, I can't, I can't have another scene where they're all, you know, giving you know food to the poor and kind of doing <laughs> the right thing. Um, I found that really, really quite annoying. Well, you need a bit of um, grit in the oyster, don't you? You, you need do. something that's a little bit... There's something to push against. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, you do need that grit in the oyster, I think. Um, what you don't need is um, Timothy Chalamet in your film because I can't stand him. <laughs> I really, I cannot see the attraction of him as an actor and his performance. I just wanted to throw something at the screen every time he came on. He's really not an actor that I get. It's the first time I've seen him in anything. Okay. I've seen him on things and I see, you know, see people talking about him just reverentially on Twitter and He's stuff. He's not a name I know. Well, yeah. I think it, you have to be of a certain generation probably okay. or type or whatever to to appreciate him and like I, okay. I just really don't pass on that one he's very annoying as laurie who's the male interest in the okay. film um oh do you know what yeah doesn't do it for me <laughs> um so it ticks so many boxes the okay. film um, and it had me emotional at times as well i did have an emotional reaction to some of the films i cried at the right times oh, right, okay um you know it was really well made really well acted um it, it the pacing was lovely but it just didn't get me in the heart yeah. Just didn't get me, um, and I don't know why. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't know why it just didn't didn't work for me. Okay. Um, whether it's because I wasn't the right audience, or or you know maybe I wasn't in the mood for it. I don't know. Um, I felt it was me, not the film. Okay. But yeah, it just wasn't um, a five star film for me. Didn't talk to you in that. Didn't in talk that to way. me in that it, way. It got emotional reactions from yeah, you. Yeah. You know, like the, the the right levers were being pulled. Yeah. But actually. That doesn't mean that you're completely engaged with something. No, no, I didn't leave the cinema feeling touched um, in the heart or the soul okay. by it. I was more concerned at checking what time my bus was. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, it wasn't for me. I can understand why people love it and it really is well loved and people have really taken to it and it's yeah. great. It's been so successful as well, particularly given the obviously largely female cast and crew and, you know, the director, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't for me. Fair enough. So, episode five draws to a close. Mm, yeah. So, in a slight change to uh, our usual going, we are not entirely 
supportive of the films we've seen this week. No, that is unusual. It, it, it's going to be a challenge for this this, this pro, uh, podcast, I have to say, because we're going to choose films we want to see. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, they're probably films that we're going to generally like. Yes. So um, I, th- I think there was a conscious effort for us to choose some things that we might not necessarily automatically choose, mm. but actually there was some kind of discussion around some kind of... There was something that would actually hopefully make a good podcast, which hopefully... Um, it's been for you um, so yeah we'll be back in the next week or so yep. um, we don't know where we're going or what no we're seeing yet seeing, no. not no. a clue Single Ticket is proudly made with Anchor you can visit the show at anchor.fm slash single dash ticket where you can listen to all our episodes uh, the podcast is also available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and lots more podcast players.